What's good, Cubers? It's your boy, Matt. And your lady, Lori. And welcome to Cube for Two and You with episode three. Episode three. Look at us. We're official now. Like we're really doing the thing. Here we're going to discuss all the aspects of Magic the Gathering and how they relate to the Cube community. That's right. So today we're actually going to be talking about cubing after dark with the Uncube. Yes, but before we do that... uh. I just want to say, if you want to help support Cube for Two and you, we would appreciate it. You can do two things. The first one is super easy, and that's uh, go on whatever podcast app you're listening to us on and give us a rating, uh, give us a review on Apple or Spotify. helps push us to the top of the searches and helps other people find us. Uh, And the other thing you can do to help us out is to shop for Magic Cards like you normally would. Just use the TCG affiliate link uh, in the show notes below when you're shopping for your cardboard. That's right, because we all know that we need cardboard. And after listening to this podcast, you might need some unsanctioned and uncube or all those uncards, because they're a lot of fun. Yeah, they are. All right, without further ado, I think we should just get started. That sounds good to me. So why don't you tell the uh, the listeners why you call it cubing after dark? <laughs> so I guess it's easily understood why I call it the uncube since we're going through all of those unsets. Mm-hmm. But the after dark part of it comes from the fact that this is more of an adult cube. And just for the simple reason, for one, that you have cards like Smart Ass, City of Ass, Sixy Beast, Asquatch, Sex Appeal, And I just don't want to explain all of that stuff to our children. So we kind of hold back and do most of our drafting and card plays when they're asleep. Yeah, my son is nine and he really, really wants to draft this cube. He knows it exists. Um, He's come downstairs and seen me and you and some of our friends playing it before. And he's like, what is this? Oh, my gosh. What's the secret? Like, I want to play this. And we just have to explain to him that, like, buddy, you're not quite there yet. Maybe in a little bit. Yeah. And and he is a strong reader. But the other part of this cube is we have a lot of cards that we're playing that are just so wordy. Yeah. I mean, we're talking lines and lines and lines of text. Cards like rules lawyer i'm rubber your glue censorship i mean even the card bureaucracy that we're playing i have to read it twice yeah and i should say some of the art on the cards like uh censorship is is pretty extreme as well yeah um would you like me to read bureaucracy for people at home yes this is this is what we mean by a wordy card so bureaucracy is a blue enchantment for three and double blue and this is what it says quote Pursuant to subsection 3.14 of Richard's Rules of Order, at the beginning of the upkeep of each participant in this game of Magic the Gathering trading card game, hereafter known as player, that player performs all actions in the sequence of previously added actions, hereafter known as action cue, in the order those actions were added, then adds another action to the end of the action cue. All actions must be simple, physical, or verbal actions that a player can perform while sitting in a chair without jeopardizing the health and security of said player. When any player does not perform all the prescribed actions in the correct order, sacrifice bureaucracy and said player discards their complement of cards in hand, hereafter known as hand. That's a lot of text. That is a lot of text. And it's not the only card in the cube that has a lot of text. No, so, no, it's not. You know, 
our our children like to play magic and I'm glad they do. But when we sit down to do the uncube, we do it with adults. Yeah. Because it is a lot of words and reading and some more adult content yeah. on the cards. Um, nothing too bad, but it's there and it is more of a adult cube. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And some adult shenanigans can ensue with some of the adult cards. And as a result, like, I just don't want to explain everything <laughs> to my children. Anyway. Well, you know, anytime we play magic and it's just the two of us, some adult stuff can ensue, but still. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, why don't you tell the uh, the listeners where the uncubes comes from? Like, what's the history? Where, why, why do we have this cube? Okay. Well, I love my husband. I'm sure you can tell that. And one Christmas, he told me about these unstable cards that had been released, and he really wanted to draft them. So I bought a whole box of them, and I wrapped them up, and he got them for Christmas. In the time that followed, we drafted with them. We pie-gowed with them. We just really enjoyed the flavor of these silly, wonky cards. Yeah, sealed uncube decks. Oh, yeah. It, it was a lot of it fun. It was a lot of fun. So once we've opened up all of those packs, the fun kind of ended. But we didn't feel like we needed to buy more of those cards. No. I mean, it's not like you're ever really going to play with them anywhere else. No, they're not good in any other format. So a couple months later, I'm coming downstairs. It's Valentine's Day, and I see my husband and my brother-in-law at the table, and there's these brand new cards in the middle of the table, and it's set up for a draft. And when I pick up my packs to do a draft with this cube, I realize they're all uncards, uncards yep. from unsanctioned and unglued and unstable. Well, not not unsanctioned, unhinged. Oh, I'm sorry, unhinged. I'm yes. sorry. Yes, yes, unsanctioned wasn't even a thing at that time. That's right. But it was so cool. And since then, we we don't play this cube the most. No, definitely not. But it is a lot of fun, and you just get a chance to be silly and do things you don't normally get to do with normal black bordered cards. Yeah, absolutely. It's such a unique draft experience, um, and it's like a break from normal. It's a brain break uh, from normal magic. Well, it's the, definitely a brain break. It's it's almost like a brain twist because you're yeah. completely doing things you wouldn't normally do. But I would say that when you first built this cube, you didn't set it up as an eight-man pod. I think you started it as a four-man pod. Yeah, the, yeah. Explain it a little bit. Yeah, the cube was designed as a four-man pod because I knew, or at least I thought we'd never really draft it with a big group. Um, and it let me do some interesting things with some of the older unhinged and uh, unglued cards. But we've drafted that version of it enough and I know you asked for like a higher density of some effects. So I just went ahead and recently I have pushed that cube up to a full-sized eight-man pod draft size, um, which has really changed a lot of stuff inside the cube and mm -hmm. has forced us to, through some play testing, which we're going to talk about later, uh, make some cuts to help uh, some decks out. You know, For example, the uh, donkey deck is gone. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we've been playtesting it. We'll talk more, like I said, we'll talk more about all of this later. But because the cube has been pushed up in size, the donkey deck was viable in a four-man pod, just playing one of every donkey. Like, you could try and get them all and have some cool synergies. But when you push it up to eight-man, I would have to have three and four copies of every one of those cards to make it work, and I just don't want to give up all those spots to that deck. No, I agree. With the addition of the new unsanctioned cards... Yeah. 
that really work well with the others. They're they're sweet. I think that donkeys, for example, just lost some of their value. And it's not worth it to try and increase their density to make the deck work when there are just other better cards out there. I would say the Uncube is design-based in Unstable because I yes. think that's the most cohesive draft environment of the three sets. Yes. Unglued, the very first Unset, was never meant to be drafted. They were just meant to be like fun, sticking your already existing deck kind of cards. Um, and then Unhinged has a draft environment, but it's got some unfun mechanics in it. Huh? Unfun. Okay. No. Unfun. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. So, so yeah, I don't base it in Unhinged. We base the cube in Unstable, and then we pull the best cards, uh, most playable cards, in some cases to add density of removal or more dice rolling effects or things like that. Yeah, so I do we- love the dice roll. I, I haven't won with the dice yet, but I do love playing the dice roll decks. So we've borrowed from those sets for those effects, but we're not playing unhinged archetypes, and there are no archetypes in Unglue. Right, and I'm sure you can explain that to us. But first, I want to let all of the people know that are listening to this, it is during the COVID-19 pandemic. That's true. And we are trying to be very safe with our gameplay. Yes, wear your mask, boys and girls. Yes, please wear your mask. Um, But we did not actually have an eight-man pod when we set up this draft. We set it up for just the two of us. We got around our dining room table. We put out eight different play mats, Mm -hmm. set up the draft packs at each play mat, and we just kind of alternated which place we stood at as we drafted. Like A, B, A, B, A, B all around the table. I drafted the odd numbered decks. I drafted deck one, three, five, and seven and you drafted decks two four six and eight two four six eight who do we appreciate lori that's right we appreciate lori (laughs) nice (laughs) nice got there (laughs) a couple words about the draft environment itself though like the meta of the environment uh it's balmy it's a it's a limited set right like it's it's meant for retail draft so there are some cards that are bombs it is not that smooth power band that i really like in the legacy cube or in the pauper cube, where, where I like to keep the power level nice and balanced. There are a few cards that when they hit the table, it's just like, oof, okay, that's yeah. that's a thing. Yeah, and um, I didn't know exactly <laughs> which cards were so balmy when we tried ta- to draft We're this. talking about that later. Yeah. And then the other thing I'll say is we do run roughly 30 black-bordered cards, and they're the lands. We, we cheat on mana fixing to kind of help the drafters out. So the Uncube runs 10 Guild Gates, 10 Life Gain Lands, and the 10 Tri Lands. And in addition, Terramorphic Expanse and Evolving Wilds. We also have some fun flavor wins with our lands. Yeah. So actually all of our lands are kind of Highlander style. You mean our basic lands? Our basic lands. Yeah. Our basic lands. So we run, you know, let's say your planes, but we might actually only run one planes from several different sets so we've got different set symbols on our lands they all have different art they all have different flavor some of them are white bordered some of them are white bordered some of them are full art um it's just completely wonky and i love it yeah if you're someone who's triggered by mismatched lands this is not the cube for you but it is the uncube so you need to expect the unexpected nice and I will say the the lands being mismatched helps a few different uh, cards out inside the cube. It sure does. Uh, symbol status is mm-hmm. first pickable in this cube. Yeah, why Sim- don't you read symbol status? Yes. 
Symbol status is two and a green for a sorcery. Put a 1-1 colorless expansion symbol creature token into play for each different expansion symbol amongst the permanents you control. So all those different lands that we have with different set symbols on them, plus whatever other cards you're playing, symbol status can be a boss card. Yeah, you if you cast symbol status on turn four, if you paid attention to your lands when you assembled your deck, you're making five or six tokens. Oh, yeah. it's It's really strong. So let's talk about that draft experience a little bit. Yeah, we probably spent three or four hours drafting just because each of us is drafting a different deck. So we did the draft one day and then came back and built the decks the the next, I think, because, you know, COVID, we're home. Right. And to be fair, we didn't draft all of this stuff at night. We were drafting a little bit while the kids are watching a movie or whatever. But we did have to take breaks because life happens. Um, but it does for probably sure. take a while for two people to draft eight decks. Especially for- in a cube that we don't... I mean, we don't draft this cube once a week or anything. No, so it requires fi- some reading. You find yourself reading the cards, which again adds to the draft time. You don't just recognize them based off their artwork the way you do with mm-hmm. like the Legacy Cube that we draft several times uh, right. a week. Right. No, and... I'm a big fan of Josh and Jimmy from Game Nights, Mm -hmm. and they recently did this, um, I guess, commander game where they all used commanders from, was it Unsanctioned? Yeah, mostly Unsanctioned. Mostly Unsanctioned. And I saw some of these cards that I'm like, ooh, I love this. It's one of my favorites from the Uncube. And when I saw some of the new cards show up for this draft that I didn't even know were in the cube because you update things without telling me, and I'm fine with that. But I saw cards in there like... Baron Von Count. Baron Von Count. And I'm like, yes, we can do this. We can do this. We can make this a thing. And I was unaware that Baron Von Count is not a supported deck in the Uncube. It's just a cool card. So... I don't know. Josh and Jimmy kind of got me excited about some stuff, but I need to remember that Commander is not the same thing as drafting a deck in cube. So speaking of Baron Von Count, he is one red, one black, and one other for a legendary creature, Human Villain. Baron Von Count enters the battlefield with a Doom Counter on number five. Whenever you cast a spell with the indicated number in its mana cost or text box or power or toughness, you get to move that Doom Counter down one numeral to the left. So we go from five to four to three to two to one. When the Doom Counter moves from one, destroy target player and put the doom counter back on five. So in a one-on-one game, like he could win. He he could totally win. win. I win the game. However, you are such a Johnny. (laughs) It's just not a reliable way to build a deck. No, I didn't know that. I mean, it's a lot of fun though. And the, and to be fair, the body is on rate for the uncube. Sure. A three mana three, three in retail draft is fine. Sure. I, I wasn't upset to have him. I was upset to see him get destroyed every time I played him. Yeah, that happens. It does happen. I should say a little bit more about the environment. One of the things that you need to do when you're drafting the uncube is to prioritize fixing. When Color you, fixing, land fixing. Yeah, when you see your tap land roll by, you need to grab it because there's no fetches. So there's no way for you to just go find whatever land you need in your deck. If you want to have a shot at splashing a color, you have got to pick the fixing. And you need to know that it's going to be a slow environment. It is a slow environment. the lands are all coming in tapped. The guild gates, the tri-lands, the life gain lands. 
You know, they're all slow, but you're going to need them because you're probably going to be running more than one color. You also need to prioritize removal. Oh, yeah. Um, Removal is not very dense in this limited environment, and it wasn't dense in the real limited environment either, I should say. It's not like we've tried to lighten the amount of removal. I have doubled up on several effects to try and increase the density of removal. But still, like when you see those removal spells, you need to grab them. Absolutely. And I'm so used to playing with the cube we normally draft yes. with that removal looks very different in the uncube. It's not as strong. It's not as powerful. And frequently conditional. It is frequently conditional. Like you can only destroy this creature if it has an even mana cost. So that's like half of the cards that we're playing with. It's it's very conditional. Yes. Um, it almost feels like you can only destroy something if you're standing on what, one foot and patting your head and rubbing your tubby all at the same time. That, that ought to be a card. It, it probably is. They're probably going to make one now that I've said that. And I will say that one of the one of the keys to crushing in uh, uncube draft and in unstable in retail is to draft your contraptions. Yeah, there are plenty of contraptions. How many are in each pack when you open it up? There are two contraptions in each pack, and okay. both in Unstable Limited and in Our Cube. Okay, so you've built it that way so yep. that every time you open up a pack, it's got two contraptions in it. And some contraptions are better than others. Yeah. And you do not want them to be flying around the table because the person who's in the contraption deck will take them and it will be bad. Yeah, a lot of the decks can incidentally assemble a few contraptions. Sure. And then some of the decks are contraption decks, just like they were in Unstable Limited. Um, And yeah, if you don't pick those bomb contraptions when they slide past you, what's going to happen is one person is going to end up with all of them. And then it's like having seven planeswalkers on the field that nobody can interact with. So, so It is, though. That's a good analogy for it. It does feel like you've got an army of planeswalkers. Yeah, so definitely prioritize your contraptions when you're drafting. Yeah, so I guess I learned a lot about drafting the Uncube this time. We've never drafted it as an eight-man pod no. before. I learned a lot about what's valuable, the mm-hmm. lands, the removal, and the contraptions. And I learned a lot about the decks that are in the cube and mm-hmm. decks that are not yeah. in the cube. Yeah. I, I learned that by accident. Um, so I think the next time we do draft this, it'll be a lot easier and yep. we'll have stronger decks. Absolutely. And it's always fun. It's so. a, yeah. You, you, and I, and I will say when you and I draft an eight man pod, cause this is not the first time we've done this. Um, when we draft an eight man pod, one of the things I like about it is that if my deck is wildly unsuccessful, I don't have to play it the next round. I play a different deck. And if your decks are the best ones that night, well, then in the finals, you're playing against your deck, but I'm still playing one of them. So even if I built a wonky deck or a deck that wasn't great, I'm not stuck with it all night. I can play one of the others. Yeah, we actually got burned out some doing it the other way, where you build a deck and I build a deck, and then we play and we play and we play and we play where sometimes your deck might just be better than mine. Yeah. And I love you, but I can only take you spanking on me in these card games for so long before I say <laughs> I'm done. I did say card games. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what you said. <laughs> um, well, why don't you talk to us about uh, your deck? We're going to talk about the decks uh, in the reverse order that they finished. So we're going to talk about the last place deck and work our way up to the first place deck. Why are you looking at me like that? Oh, because I really loved this deck. I know. You are a sucker. You are a sucker for this deck. I really am. I've tried so hard to make it better. Okay. So I I have to say this, and 
I love the dice decks. So when I drafted this deck, my pack one pick one was Pippa, Duchess of Dice. And I saw this card and I'm thinking, oh yes, I'm going to be in the dice deck. So Pippa is one green and two other for a legendary creature. And she says that you can pay a green and two more and tap her to roll a six-sided die. It becomes a green die creature token with a power and toughness equal to the result of the die roll. She also has another ability where you can pay one blue and two others, tap her, and she re-rolls any die. That's such a great card for a die stack. She just spits out tokens every turn. Yes, and getting it pack one, pick one. I knew that I needed to have some blue and some green in my deck to make this work. I knew I needed to be looking for cards that had dice rolling abilities and payoffs. So I'm feeling really strong about this at the beginning of the draft. I ended up drafting two cards of an enchantment as luck would have it, which really creates extra value anytime I'm rolling the dice. I also got the big idea card in my deck, which is two red and four others for a legendary creature, Brainiac Villain. He says on his card text that you can pay Rakdos, Rakdos, and two others and tap him to roll a six-sided die. Create a number of one, one red Brainiac creature tokens equal to the result. Then you can tap three untapped Brainiacs you control. And the next time you would roll a six-sided dice, instead you roll two and use the total of those combined results. Yeah, so instead of making four or five Brainiac tokens, you start making six, seven, eight. And oh, yeah. The big idea is a bomb. He gets out of hand in a hurry if he's not answered. Absolutely. And if you combine him with a card enchantment like As Luck Would Have It. You want to read them As Luck Would yeah, Have absolutely. It? Yeah, absolutely. So for one green, love playing this on turn one. Yep. You get an enchantment that is hexproof. So they're not going to get rid of it. Whenever you roll a die, put a number of luck counters on As Luck Would Have It equal to the result. Now, if there are 100 or more luck counters on, as luck would have it, you win the game. Yep. So it has always been a dream of mine to get as luck would have it on the field and then play my game and roll all the dice and do all the cool things and get that dice value up. How'd that work out for you this time? It's a lot of fun, but I haven't won yet. (laughs) I haven't won yet. Thank you. It's it's a little sore spot for me, but I still love this deck. And there's a lot of support for it in the cube. It just happens that as luck would have it might not be as much of a game winner as i would like it to be yeah it's it's certainly it's great when you landed on turn one and you did that several games yes um and i think that's the highest number of luck counters you got on it were like in the 40s is that right yeah i didn't even get halfway yeah so i have doubled up on as luck would have it inside the cube because i know you love this deck and i know you want to live that dream and as a curator boys and girls you cater to your drafters needs I, th- I think what I'm going to do in the future is I'm going to try and have more incidental dice rolly stuff when mm-hmm. I do the next update to try and help that deck even more. Mm-hmm. I think the car- a card like the big idea ends the game too fast for as luck would have it to win. You know, because you, you, that's true. That's I mean, they true. have to answer it or die. He takes over. So I don't know. 
the he's the best match if you're trying to win with as luck would have it. No, I, I think as luck would have it is just a little flavor win. Like if yeah. it goes off and if it happens, great. Yep. But there are lots of things in the decks and and in the cube that do roll dice. So it's nice to have it in there as an incidental fun card. I don't think you should take it out. I just think that your wife needs to get it into her head that you might need some removal and you might need some bombs. Yeah. Aside with just cards that say, roll the dice, roll the dice. Well then, if if that's the case, let's talk about our deck that didn't roll dice. You built a four-color contraption deck. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us about that. Well, in the whole in the whole tournament, I guess, at our house, it came in seventh place, so better than the dice deck, yeah. at least. My pack one, pick one was garbage elemental and the deck itself was kind of garbage it was four (laughs) color contraptions (laughs) so garbage elemental is a one red and four other creature he's an elemental with cascade is he though is he an elemental creature with cascade or yeah there's there's more than one garbage elemental in our that's right. And, Cube. and each garbage elemental has different text on it. So yeah. he could be that one, or he could be when garbage elemental enters the battlefield, it assembles a contraption. That's the one it was. That's the one it yeah. was. Because I packed one, picked one, knew I was going to be in a contraption deck, and spent the rest of the draft trying to do contraption stuff. Yes. So yeah, he's one red and four others. He builds a contraption when he enters the battlefield, and then he has Undying, which, yeah, it's, it's a perk. Undying, yeah, a, a yeah, trade. Because removal is limited in this environment. So removal trading is. him and then getting him back assembles you another contraption and right. and you basically removed a creature with him. Right. So I did get some good cards in this deck. Yes, you um, did. One of my favorites was Work a Double. It's two reds and two others sorcery that says assemble two contraptions. Plain now, and simple. Assemble two contraptions. Before we get too far into the whole assemble a contraption thing, can you tell people who maybe haven't drafted Unstable how exactly contraptions work? Oh, okay. So... Contraptions is like a new mechanic in the unstable set. These contraptions, I think you can have like maybe 15 or so. If you were building construction. If you're building a construction. In limited, you get all you can draft. Okay, so in our cube, you can just have as many as you want. Yeah. So you take these contraption cards and you set them aside. Think of it as a side deck. Yep. You only use these cards if something on the battlefield says... Assemble a contraption, a mm-hmm. spell, an instant, a sorcery, um, an enchantment, or a creature. Anything could say it, but unless it says assemble a contraption, those cards are dead to you. When you do assemble the contraption, you put it on the field, and it goes onto this... Think of it as like a piece of machinery. It's a sprocket. That, it's a sprocket, and it has three different places where you can attach contraptions to it. And once you have contraptions, that sprocket i guess is constantly cranking it's constantly moving yeah during so, your upkeep yes you move to the next sprocket yes of the three sprockets so if i have three contraptions in the first zone of my sprocket on my upkeep those three contraptions will trigger yep but if i have other contraptions on the other two zones of my sprocket i'm not going to get those abilities until i crank it during my next upkeep yeah so when in your first upkeep you would get the contraptions on sprocket one but then your next upkeep you would get the contraptions on sprocket two Mm -hmm. and then on your next upkeep sprocket three and then you would crank back around and go do sprocket one over correct it just keeps cycling around and the contraptions think of them as like 
an uptick or a downtick on a Planeswalker they, card. They very much feel like They that. feel like that. It's a nice ability, and you get to trigger it. I mean, sometimes they're irrelevant, but most of the time they're really nice. So, for example, one contraption is called Deadly Poison Sampler. Dun-dun-dun. Dun-dun-dun. And it says whenever you crank Deadly Poison Sampler, until the end of turn, a target creature gains... Whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player, destroy target creature that player controls. Yes. So that's that's a cool perk. Um, and then there's lots of different types of contraptions. And it looks like the decks that reliably build these contraptions mm-hmm. have a huge advantage. I mean, how could you not have an advantage when you have a lot of Planeswalker abilities on the, on the field? Yes, the more contraptions you assemble the more incremental advantage you build every upkeep. Right. So yeah, yeah. So you built the four color contraption deck, uh, you know, with work a double and yeah. steam floggery. Well speaking of sp- steam oh, floggery. My mistake. Steam floggery is an instant spell. It's two reds and four others. Roll a six sided die, assemble a number of contraptions equal to the result. This card so is a bomb. It is it's a great card. It's a great card. So you might be wondering if I've got all these spells and instants and sorceries and creatures that support contraptions why didn't i do better than seventh place with this deck yes that's what i'm asking that's what you're asking yeah yeah i didn't draft removal there's no you didn't have the removal yeah and it's four colors yeah you got manuscript a few games because the fixing in this cube does not really abide four colors and i guess you can call me a noob because there's so many different colors in our cube that build contraptions i didn't know what colors i was supposed to be sticking to so ooh, this makes a contraption draft it ooh, this makes a contraption too draft it and i just didn't pick the right colors to go with a deck i had too many four color contraptions is garbage thank you garbage elemental you <laughs> were the perfect pack one pick one for that deck thank you very much all right well maybe we should talk to the person who built the sixth place deck and see how they feel about their deck. Okay, I'm starting to get a little targeted here. <laughs> because, <laughs> because that's one of my decks, too. To be fair, I loved this deck. I love this deck, too. I loved this deck. And, I got to play this deck at one point. The problem is not my, my deck building. And the problem is not my ability to play. Because I do know how to do those things. My problem is I didn't recognize removal. Yeah, it's in really instrumental. Cube. And the next time we do this draft, you're going down. You just need to know... <laughs> You just need to know, I understand this cube so much better now from doing this and and the cards that are more important. I also anyway. recommend you not pass uh, crazy crazy cards, but we'll talk about that later. Oh, yeah. that That's later. That's later. So in sixth place, I built a squirrel tribal deck. It was so sweet, guys. It is so adorable. My pack one pick one was Earl of Squirrel. I... I love that card so much. He just he's just so awesome. So for two green and four others, you get a creature squirrel advisor. And he's a four four creature with squirrel link. And that is so cool. Is it squirrel link? I know. I hit you make squirrels. It's yes, fabulous. Yes, I hit you make squirrels. So creature tokens you control are squirrels in addition to other creature types. And other squirrels you control get a plus one, plus one counter. So I see this card in my pack one, pick one, and I'm like, golly, we can do the squirrel things. I know squirrels are a thing. Yes. I know there are. They are They're, a thing. You've added lands specifically in our basic land package that have squirrels in them. Yeah, to help so, with the squirrel yes, deck. Yes, yes. So I'm thinking this is going to be great. This is going to be fun. 
So it turns out that I drafted an Abzan Squirrel Tribal deck. Yes. And I loved it. One of the cards in my deck was a Cornelia. Yeah. I love a Cornelia. She's <laughs> a brand Cornelia. new. She is Straight brand from new. unsanctioned. Yep. A Cornelia is one black and three others for a legendary creature squirrel. Whenever you cast a spell with a squirrel in its art, you get an acorn. Whenever a squirrel you control enters the battlefield or dies, you get an acorn. You can pay a black and two others and then pay X acorns for a target creature to get minus X minus X until the end of turn. So if you've accumulated some acorns, you can really do some removal. You can also pay green and X acorns and a target creature gets plus X plus X until the end of turn. Something and this is great. All of my cards are going to be squirrel themed. They're going to have pictures of squirrels in their art. Even if I play lands, they're going to have squirrels in them. It's going to be good. And I have to say, you picked up on a draft signal with this card. Because there aren't a lot of guidepost cards in the cube. The set doesn't really afford itself that. But A. Cornelia lets you know that there is a squirrel deck in Golgari colors. Mm -hmm. And you found that deck. I did. So good for you. You'd also be surprised, listeners, how often in... Uh, unstable there are random squirrels in the art of cards specifically to help with cards like a cornelia so you can play cards that aren't squirrels but have squirrels in the art to still get value off of her and cards like her Mm -hmm. absolutely now this deck also ran timmy i know I know it ran Timmy. Yeah. I love Timmy. Well, tell him about Timmy. So t- Timmy, the power gamer for, for two other and double green, you get a 1-1 one, one legend. Sweet. Yeah, that's not. Four mana for a 1-1. One, one. That's not why I drafted Timmy. Okay. Timmy's or, text box. Or you can pay four and put a creature into play straight out of your hand. Yes. Timmy is a cheap monster. Yes. He's fantastic. And so there was a game that we were playing and I got to play the squirrel deck. Yeah, you did. You played my deck. And I had Timmy down on the field. Yeah. And I left my mana up, and you swung in at me. And I paid four Mm -hmm. and flashed down the Earl of Squirrel with his Squirrel Link and blocked your tutu and killed it, Mm -hmm. but then made four Squirrel Tokens Mm -hmm. because he has Squirrel Link, and suddenly I had eight power on the board. Boys and girls, it was so good. (laughs) It was so much fun. I love Timmy. There's there's something just fun about playing the squirrel deck. I remember we were playing one game one morning and you're calling into the other room and you ask our son, hey, you like squirrels? Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, dad, go ahead and get your squirrel token for the squirrel dealer. <laughs> it's like he just knows. Uh, squirrel dealer is such a fun card. I've even texted and called friends mid game. Oh my gosh. Yes. To ask them if they like squirrels. And I've done it enough that they all know now. Just answer And they yes. all just say yes. Just Why is it? You're always the one that gets that card. I love the squirrel I don't ever get the squirrel nope. dealer when I'm like playing. like that. Uh, oh. squirrel dealer, for those of you who don't know, is one green mana for a one, one. When he enters the battlefield, ask a person outside the game. Do you like squirrels? Yes. If he or she does, make a 1-1 green squirrel creature token. Squirrels! I love this card so much. <laughs> I love the squirrel deck. I'm so glad you found it. Yeah, it was it was cool. It was cool. I enjoyed drafting it and pulling out the squirrels. It was it was a lot of fun. It still only came in sixth place, probably because it didn't have a lot of removal. Yeah, it, um, it, you, you passed a lot of the black removal. I did. Again, I'm not going to be making a lot of these mistakes nope. the next time we, we do this draft. Learn, learning curve. We're, we're going to go to the next... Yeah. Deck in 
fifth the, place. The fifth place deck. I'm, you know, honestly, I'm a little surprised that it made it this high up yeah. in the rankings. This was a, another one of my decks. Um, <laughs> it just speaks volumes of me not knowing how to draft this particular cube. We just need more practice with it. Yeah. Um, so I built a Rakdos Numbers Matter deck. And if you're thinking, what the heck is a Rakdos Numbers Matter deck? It's it's all just built around Baron Von Count. It's built around Baron Von Count. And, oh. I, and this is the part where I really just have to blame Josh and Jimmy. Because I saw this card on game nights and I just wanted to build the deck. Josh does it on he game does. nights. He kills he the girl does. with it. He does. And it looks so or Jimmy. Good. He kills Jimmy with it. He it, kills Jimmy. Oh, I'm just telling so you. So good. It looked so good. I saw him in my pack one and I picked him first thing and I'm like, yes, I'm going to be drafting cards that have do numbers it. on I'm going to do the thing. And I did an excellent job of drafting cards with numbers on them. You did a great job. I had things with fives and fours and threes and twos and ones and multiple numbers on a single card. I'm thinking this is going to be great. But I guess I forgot that we're not playing commander and he is not going to be just sitting on the field for me to get those abilities. Nope. No. But the you did learn uh, a few things about the environment and, and playing the deck itself. And you also learned about some cards that you hate. And you told me very clearly you wanted them removed. Yeah. Um, so I'm drafting cards that have numbers in their text. And one of the cards I draft has the number five in it. So I can't really get my deck up and going if I don't have a number five. You need to right? have a number five in a box. I, Baron Von Count needs yeah. a number five. So I drafted Enter the Dungeon. It is a double black sorcery card. And it says players may play a magic sub game under the table, starting at five life and using their libraries as their decks. The winner searches their library for two cards, puts those cards into their hand, and then shuffles their library. How do you feel about this card? I think I demanded that you take it out. Yeah, we did it one time. We yes. crawled under the kitchen table and played a sub game of magic. Grown People. Yes, yes. Crawling under the kitchen table yes. with the dogs. With the dogs, playing on the Playing on the linoleum, on the linoleum of the kitchen. Yes. My knees and my back can handle <laughs> that. I'm sorry, I am not a young woman anymore. This is just, no, no, this is craziness. Just take it. And it went fact, straight to the sideboard after we did that. It went straight to the sideboard. And the fact that it's completely random, you don't know if you're going to win. And I'm the one that cast the card. You're the one that won the... the this, crazy game under the table I had and a, you got the card i had you a one drop benefit. i had a one drop that's that's why i won i had a, a one, one drop, drop. And you i got know how in many early one drops are even in the queue very few very very few so i did i demanded that you take this out um but that's part <laughs> of the uncubes flavor it's yeah. these silly crazy interactions and yes if you had walked into our kitchen while we were doing this yep. one card and playing it out you would have thought something was wrong with our mental stability <laughs> but that's not the only card that i played i mean we had some other cards in the rakdos deck um over my dead bodies i thought that this was going to be a cool card mm -hmm. but i guess i just didn't understand how it would play out in the experience so over my dead bodies is two black and four other for an enchantment and the enchantment says creature cards in graveyards can attack and block as though they were on the battlefield. They can block or be blocked by other creature cards in other graveyards. And they're all zombies in addition to their other types. And they all have undeath touch. So basically when they slam into each other, you remove them from 
the graveyard and put them in exile. Yeah. Um, and then it says, creature cards in your graveyard have haste. So I'm thinking, this is great. I've got creatures in my graveyard. I can attack with them. I can swing with them. I can block with them. But I totally forgot that you do too. Yeah, and if I've got more than you, because power and toughness doesn't even matter that much with this no, card. No, no, because I've got death touch. You, or undeath death touch. touch. Yeah. Ooh, so I blocked zombies. your whatever, and so now it's just an exile. Yeah. So what happened is if we got down to it and I had just one more creature in my graveyard than you, then I'm able to just keep poking you with that creature. Yeah. Until, until you're you're dead. And you can't block it with your creatures on the board. No, no, I have to have a creature in my graveyard to I mean, block with. I, th- I still think the card is solid. Yeah, I, I think I, you misplayed it. I definitely did. I definitely did. You know, it's it's part of the uncube. Yeah, it's, it's it's undoes everything you think you know about magic, and it makes you think about them while you're standing on your head. Yes, on <laughs> on a slide. Yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> it's it's just weird, but we love it. We do. Well, I guess we should talk about the fourth place decks. And in case you haven't figured it out, uh, the next four decks are, are mine. Yeah, go ahead. Salt. Yeah. Rub it in the wound. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. So the deck that finished fourth place, I am actually am a little salty about it. Because it lost in the finals mm-hmm. against the top deck. Mm-hmm. But it had dropped enough odd games throughout mm-hmm. the tournament. Like it frequently won two out of three games. Yes. So it took a loss every time it played another deck. Mm-hmm. So when it lost in the finals, it dropped it from second place down to fourth mm-hmm. in terms of our standing. So I'm really yeah. sad about it. Um, but I built this Demir Evasion deck, uh, which is very much uh, a real thing apparently inside the cube. But my first draft pick was X. So X is a blue and a black for a 2-2. As long as X is in its owner's opponent's hand, so when it's in your hand, not mine, X's owner, that's me, may cast X and activate X's abilities. That opponent, that would be you, can't cast X and plays with his or her hand revealed. You can pay blue and a black and tap X to put him in someone's hand, You can pay five mana, and you can play a card in the same hand as X without paying its mana cost. X has some really busted abilities, Mm -hmm. all on a 2-2. First, when you play X to the board, you have to pay blue and a black and tap him, and now he's in your hand. Yeah, you give me your creature, but I can't cast X out of my hand. Mm -hmm. I can't get rid of him. I just have to hope maybe I can discard him, because otherwise... You're looking at all of my cards. And for five mana for three blue and a black, I get to cast the cards out of your hand. Yeah, that's not fun either. Which is fantastic for me because now I can cast your removal on your creatures. I can force you to cast your stuff when you don't want to because you're scared that I'm going to cast it out of your hand for you. So you need to go ahead and throw it down as quickly as possible. Mm Mm-hmm. X is so good, you could play him in regular queue. Well, don't. <laughs> so, so yeah, X is really bomby, and he was in this Demir Evasion deck. It also revolved around cards like Blurry Beeble that says uh, it, it's a one-drop blue 1-1 one, one that can't be blocked unless your opponent's wearing glasses. Of which you wear glasses, and I don't. Well, let that be a lesson to you. Bring glasses the next time we cube. I don't know what to tell you. You want me to put my contacts away and go get my glasses. Yes. So that I can block the 1-1 one, one blurry beeble. <laughs> yes, indeed. And whenever he deals damage, I get to then draw a card and discard a card. Yeah. Um, I also ran, uh, what was it, uh, Phoebe. 
Yeah. I love me Phoebe. Yeah, uh, Phoebe. Who can't be blocked by creatures with reminder text or flavor text or something. One of those two. You could actually look it up. And... I could, but... <laughs> You've got the computer right in front of you, man. so bossy. Gosh. Not bossy. I just have better ideas than you. Phoebe, head of sneak. For one blue and a black, you get a human spy 2-3. Phoebe, head of sneak, can't be blocked by creatures with flavor text. Pay two, a blue, and a black. Phoebe permanently steals target creature's text box. That's pretty good, too. Yeah, and the fact that she steals them. I mean, it's not like they disappear. She gets their flavor text and their text abilities. Yeah, so Phoebe could steal X's flavor text. Or not X's. She could steal X's abilities, and then yes. Phoebe would be X. Well, she does get their flavor text, too. I guess it's, I guess she does get their And their watermarks. Text. And their watermarks, which actually can be a thing inside the cube. can be. Especially in the Azurius deck. So, put all that together and you just have a, a little sneaky, a, stealing creature on the field that just takes away my good stuff. Yeah, and then I play cards like Overt Operative with Menace. This deck was a lot of fun to play. And when it went off and was doing evasive things, it was hard to deal with. It really was. There's not a lot of removal in the cube and we already know I didn't draft it if there was. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, the real drawback to the deck is that it it can't handle Stompy very well. The creatures aren't big. No, the creatures are small. So if my guys have to start blocking, then then I'm in a bad way. Like, mm-hmm. I need to try and... It's almost like a Demir tempo deck, only it's like a mid-range tempo deck because there's no aggro in this format at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also had fun with the one Planeswalker. The one Planeswalker in the cube. Yeah, man. Yeah. He's new from Unsanctioned. Bob, Bevy of Beevils. Be- wow. Me, me talk good. Well, Bob, it does have a lot of alliteration it in it. Bob, Bevy of Beebles, for three and double blue, you get a legendary planeswalker, Bob, with Star as his loyalty. As Bevy of Beebles enters the battlefield, create four 1-1 one, one blue Beeble creature tokens. The number of loyalty counters on Bob is equal to the number of Beebles you control. Plus one, uh, and that would create you a Beeble token as well. Uh, up to X target Beebles can't be blocked this turn, where X is the number of cards in your hand. Minus one, which would then be you sacrificing a Beeble in addition to it, draw a card. Uh, Baby of Beebles is pretty sweet. It was a lot of fun. And you have to get in there and like attack that thing. Yeah, yeah you do. Now, or you're going to have like lots and lots of unblockable Beebles. Well, and the downside of you attacking Bob is that I have to block with the Beebles... Which removes the loyalty off of Bob, which is the whole reason you were swinging at him to begin with. So it's still kind of a win for you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just a great little card. I mean, it's got some evasion happening with it. It's yep. got some up values. It it does what you want a Planeswalker to do. It goes out there. It makes things harder for your opponent. And it blocks. Yes, indeed. And I think the other all-star in the deck was the fantastic piece of equipment that you passed me. To be fair, I have a problem with undervaluing equipment, and that's something that you're going to have to teach me a little bit later. But the proper lab attire yes, indeed. was really good, and we're running more than one, I think. So, uh, Yeah, let me read it for you guys. Proper laboratory attire is a one-mana equipment. The equipped creature gets plus two, plus one, and has protection from die rolls. Pay two to equip it. It's just it's, a nice card. It's a solid, it's a black border card. Like, you could play it in a lower power cube, and it would perform fine. The die roll bit would be, you know, flavor text. Yeah. But a one mana equipment that gives a creature plus two, plus one, and equips for two isn't bad. 
No, and it was fine in either of the decks that both got it. Yeah. And in the evasion deck, yeah, it was painful. The evasive creatures really wore that equipment well. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I guess it's just a really great one drop. Mm-hmm. Play it on turn one, get your creature out, equip it. Yep. And start swinging. Yeah, go to town with him. It was nice. Yeah, I really liked playing this deck, but not as much as I liked playing my th- this third place deck. I, this was my favorite deck that really? I built. Yeah. Really? You don't normally hear that about a Selesnya deck. No, you don't. But I, I loved this deck. This deck was so much fun. Okay. Okay. So in third place, your Selesnya Augment deck. What was your pack one pick one? Uh, pack one pick one was AWOL. AWOL is two and a white for an instant. Remove target attacking creature from the game. Then remove it from the remove from the game zone and put it into the absolutely remove from the freaking game forever zone. Okay, so we're not getting it back. No, it's not coming back. No, I pack one, picked one, a removal spell. It, AWOL is a solid removal spell, and I picked it. Um, but I quickly figured out that white was wide open, and I just started putting together the Selesnia Augment deck. And nice. I I loved... This deck was so much fun to play. And I have, I have to say that like before we expanded the cube, this deck was mediocre at best. Yeah, it was. No, you did a great job of really supporting Augment as... A theme within the cube. Yeah, I'm trying hard to help the Augment deck. The danger, for those of you who don't know, Augment requires two cards. It requires a host. So I'm gonna I'm gonna read you one real quick. This is the adorable kitten. Adorable kitten is one white for a one-one. When this creature enters the battlefield, and all of that text is on the left side of the card. Uh, when this creature enters the battlefield, and now on the right side of the card, roll a six-sided die. You gain life equal to the result. So you play the adorable kitten and you get that effect. But then later you can put a augment on it. This is an example of an augment card. Augment cards don't have a casting cost. Um, So this card is called humming. If you played it on the adorable kitten, it would be humming adorable kitten. And you would play it on the left half of the kitten, covering up the when this creature enters the battle text. Right. And it does have a casting cost. You do augment for the one white and three colorless. Yeah. yeah. But it's very similar to... It's mutate. I, it's it's like mutate before there was mutate. Absolutely. Where you can mutate on any non-human creature. You can only augment on a host creature. Yes. And so humming says the creature you augment onto will get plus two plus three. So if we augment it onto the one one kitten, it would be a three four. Humming gives it flying, and it says whenever you attack with two or more creatures, but then that's all it says. Mm -hmm. And that part of the card covers up the when this enters the battlefield. Mm -hmm. So kitten, the adorable kitten would now read, whenever you attack with two or more creatures, roll a six-sided die, you gain life equal to the result. So by themselves, the host creatures have reasonably decent ETBs, but you don't get any further value off of them until you attach an augment creature yes. on top and of them. And the augment gives you the ability to try and get the get the effect uh, more, more frequently. More frequently, yes. Yes, yes absolutely. Um, and the danger of this deck is getting two for one. Yep, if I remove your you, augmented creature, it, I remove two gone. of your cards. It's gone. And so removal being light does make this deck a little bit better. But it's also a difficult deck to put together because of you could draw the wrong half. A handful of augments and no hosts is horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, and a handful of hosts, one one kittens with no augments is bad too. Right. Um, and I've done a few things to try and fix that. 
I think the card Teacher's Pet teacher's actually pet. helps you find the pieces that you need when you need them. Yeah, and we're doubled up on this card as well. Um, so Teacher's Pet says for one and a white, you get a 2-1 cat bird scientist. And then you can pay two and a white, sacrifice Teacher's Pet, search your library card for a card with augment, and then combine it with a host you control. So you sack the Teacher's Pet, you go find your best augment, and then you just lay it on your host creature, whatever it was. Right, and it could possibly cost less than the augment cost itself. Absolutely. So turn one, kitten. Turn two, teacher's pet. Turn three, sack teacher's pet. Go get serpentine. No, don't get serpentine. (laughs) No, that card ate me alive. That card was so good. Oh, tell them what serpentine is. So serpentine is an augment. So it doesn't, again, it doesn't have a casting cost. Its augment cost is two and a green, so three mana. So the same cost as actually sacking the teacher's pet. Yeah, exactly. And it says whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, and then you would do whatever the other half of the host text says. Mm -hmm. Um, This card, combined with strutting turkey, turkey. is a freaking house. I just want you to think for a second of a turkey that is strutting. You know, it's Thanksgiving time, and this turkey comes walking through your yard like it is something important, and you ain't going to cook him for Thanksgiving dinner. That is exactly what it feels like when the strutting turkey comes out, and then you put a serpentine on him. Tell him what strutting turkey is. So strutting turkey is three and a white for a two-two, and it's a host. So the left half of the card says, when this creature enters the battlefield, and then the right half says, exile target creature card with converted mana cost two or less from your graveyard. If it has augment, combine it with a host you control. Otherwise, put it onto the battlefield. So Strutting Turkey can come down, and if you've already got an augment in your yard, you can just stick it on the Strutting Turkey, because all the augments have zero as their casting cost. So any augment in your yard, no matter what it is, you can just attach it to the turkey. And then combine it with other small creatures, like the cat, let's say. Mm -hmm. Every turn I can swing the cat at you in combat. And you have to block it, mm-hmm. right? Or take the damage. So yeah. you block it. But then I play a land, which triggers the serpentine half of the turkey, which then triggers the exile a creature out of your yard and put it back in the play half of the turkey. And so I swing with the cat, you kill the cat. I play a land, trigger serpentine turkey, bring mm-hmm. the cat back onto the battlefield. He hits the battlefield and I roll dice and gain life. It feels like it should be a black ability to be able to get that kind of stuff back out of your graveyard it's and just so use it again. so good. Remember the game I had the crocodile that every time he hits the battlefield, I get to fetch a land? Crocodile enters the battlefield and I fetch a basic land to my hand. Then later I turn the crocodile sideways at you and you have to either take the damage or you block and kill him. And eventually you have to start blocking him. And so he goes to the graveyard, but then I play the land that he fetched from my hand, triggering Serpentine Turkey, which then exiles the crocodile out of my yard and puts him back on the battlefield, which fetches me another basic land. And so I'm thinning my deck and repeating this process over and over again, gaining immense value. Just so much value to be had. And then Serpentine makes the turkey pretty big anyway. Yeah. So yeah. this deck was so much fun. It looked like it had so much synergy. Yep. And like you had these nice combos happening. Not like infinite combos. No. Not broken it was, combos. It was but really good. It was, yeah, it was really fun to play against, even though I lost to it a lot. <laughs> yeah, I gotta give you credit. It was good. I, I, I love this deck. This, and... What, it, what this deck taught me about the Un-Environment is that we have to expand the, the host augment deck 
mm-hmm. into at least one other color. I can't yeah. let Selesnia have all these tools all the time. No. Um, so what we've done, and for those of you who want to read the full update, I'll post a list in the in the show notes so you can go to the cube and read the blog post that I wrote for this. But we're going to push this uh, augment deck into black very hard. Mm. And then and then double up on hosts in the other colors as well. Oh, that seems nice. So that, that way a black white augment deck could exist and they could still use teacher's pet as the as the tutors mm-hmm. but then a green black augment deck could exist as well because you know they can, i love golgari because they can use clever combo nice which is a one and a green sorcery search your library for a host card or a card with augment reveal it put it in your hand and shuffle your library so there are tutors for the host or augment in mm-hmm. green and white and so you can pair now with any color nice and you'll still have access to the tutor as long as you go white or green with that other color. And and augment is another thing that you just don't get to see in any other cube. Augment and contraptions. You just you don't see them anywhere else. No. It's the only time you get to play with this type of flavor. So pretty cool. Which actually your your second place deck was all about artifacts, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Yeah, the second place deck was all about artifacts. So I built an Azurius artifact deck. Um, and pack one, pick one, I grabbed one of the cool non-basic lands in the cube. I picked up uh, Grand Coliseum. That almost feels like cheating. That's a black border card. Look, man, you know, we got to help out the mana fixing <laughs> where we can. I mean, um, it's true. It's true. <laughs> Grand Coliseum says uh, that it enters the battlefield tapped, and then you can either tap it for colorless or tap it and lose a life and add a mana of any color. So I just I, I drafted a good stuff land to just try and feel out the rest of the packs and see what was open. Yeah. Um, and it turned out that my my second pick, my second pick in that draft was super spicy. So I think I've already said that I don't understand equipment really well, and I need a lesson in equipment. And apparently, when I had my pack one, pick one, I did not pick said card and then passed it to the left. Tell everybody what you got from my pack. Yeah, so I open my my pack and I look inside of it and I just look up at you and I go, you screwed up. Like, this this is a mistake. Uh, you passed the Sword of Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> I You passed the Sword of Dungeons and Dragons. You cannot pass that card, boys and girls. But I picked Pippa instead. Oh, Pippa's spicy. <laughs> the Sword of Dungeons and Dragons wins games. As I know now. <laughs> so, for those of you who don't know, Sword of Dungeons and Dragons is regular cube good. That's how good this card is. You can play it in a regular cube, and it hangs tough with the Sword of Feast and Famine and the rest of the crew. So I'll read it to you. Uh, Sword of Dungeons and Dragons is three colorless for a equipment. Uh, the equipped creature gets plus two, plus two, and has protection from rogues and clerics. Whenever the equipped creature deals combat damage to a player, create a 4-4 four, four gold dragon creature token with flying. Roll a 20-sided die. If you roll a 20, repeat this process. This card ate me alive. It's so good. It ate me alive. I mean, removal is already so scarce in this cube. Artifact removal less so. Artifact or more removal so. More so. Is, is rare. And then a lot of the incidental burn that you have goes up to just a hair over three. Yeah. Really hard to get rid of a 4-4 four, four flyer. Yeah, it, really hard. And and the, the, the roughest part is once Sword of Dungeons and Dragons has made a dragon, even if you kill the creature I've equipped it to, 
I just stick it on the dragon and fly over right. there and slap you and make another one. Right. It's almost like to deal with this one card, I need two things of removal. I need to be able to remove and kill and destroy the sword yeah. itself. But then I also need something to deal with that dragon. Yeah. And and for those of you listening at home, uh, Sword of D&D has made the band watch list. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's on the band watch list. This card is, is maybe too good. Oh, okay. Um, I've been doing the math in the cube. There's but it's all, silver bordered. I know this. Look, this card is like this card is good, guys. If you have a black border cube at home, I promise you, you can try Sword of Dungeons and Dragons. You are not gonna be disappointed. No, it's a really good card. Um, and so while this Azurius artifacts deck that I built was good and it did some cool artifact synergies, I just had a few bombs inside this deck that just straight won me games sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, Sword of Dungeons and Dragons is a good example of that. I think in the three rounds we played. Sword of Dungeons and Dragons hit the field three times, so that's that's half the games roughly, mm-hmm. plus a, you know a little bit less because yeah. some games went to th- some rounds went to three. Yeah, but roughly three out of the the games every time it hit the battlefield the deck won. Yeah, you win. You play it, you win. Especially in a, a cube like this, it's it's really a low power cube. Yeah, and that's a very high powered card. Yeah, this card and then Rules Lawyer. Rules Lawyer. Which oh, Rules so Lawyer. Good. Love Speaking rules of lawyer. wordy cards. All right, so so Lord help me. I'm going to try and read Rules Lawyer to you kind folks. Here we go. For three and double white, you get a cyborg advisor artifact creature 1-1. One, one. How scary can it be? It's a 1-1. One, one. Yeah, but it costs five. Keep reading. State-based actions don't apply to you or your other permanents you control. So, Rules Lawyer, and I actually think we must have misplayed it now that I'm really looking at it. Uh, State-based actions don't apply to you or other permanents I control. So, you can't target Rules Lawyer and kill him with, like, a destruction spell. I didn't think I could, but yeah, you're going to let me. I'm going to do it. Yeah, I, I thought he said your other permanents, as in not him. But, no, he he means him, too. Yeah. You basically, you and your permanents and the creature don't have to play by the rules of magic anymore. Yeah. And, and state-based actions, for those of you who don't know... Uh, could imply that when your creature is a 4-4 and it's taken 4 damage, state-based action says it should die. Well, it but do- it doesn't. It doesn't. Rules lawyers on the field. State-based action says that when your life total hits 0, you should lose. You should lose. You should lose. But you don't. But you don't. Um, things can't be destroyed by death touch. Uh, oh my gosh. It, it basically just removes all the rules of playing the game. From you. There is a block of text in italics, like rules reminders text on rules lawyer. Mm -hmm. And then at the bottom of it, it says, for the complete rules and regulations, see rule 704. And you can Google and go and read the entire list of things Mm -hmm. that rules lawyers stops from happening. Now, I, I really loved playing, but when rules lawyer hit the field, I felt like I should quit. I just felt like there was nothing I could do, that the game was over. He is also on the band watch list. Well, no wonder. <laughs> well, you know, like, I want there to be some game-ending threats, because sometimes the games can be very grindy. Yes, and and to be fair, this is the uncube. It does unreliable things. Mm-hmm. It changes it up. I'm fine with you having some, hey, I played this card, I win. Yeah. I'm totally fine with that. I, I have some of those that I like to play with. But no, he, he won me a couple of games as well. And when you can win a couple of games off the back of Rules Lawyer and then a few games off the back of the Swords of Dungeons & Dragons, like suddenly your mm-hmm. deck is, oh, look, number two overall. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Not to mention all the contraption stuff that the artifact deck does anyway. Yeah. The artifacts, I mean, it, you had a lot of value in that deck because of it building contraptions incidentally, mm-hmm. but all the contraptions are artifacts, and your artifact creatures did some cool things with each other. Sacrifice an artifact, build a contraption. Um, it, it was cool. I think you even played the card Chipper Chopper. Yeah, I like Chipper Chopper. He's a solid four drop. Um, so for three in the blue, you get an artifact creature, Cyborg, Rigger, 1-1 one, one Flyer. Uh, and when Chipper Chopper enters the battlefield, you may sacrifice another artifact, and you have plenty of them. Uh, if you do, put two plus one plus one counters on him and assemble a contraption. So for four mana, you're getting a three three flyer assemble a contraption. Yeah, and that all by itself is a bomb. Yeah, and, and sacrificing an artifact is not hard for this deck. A lot of the blue and white creatures are just artifact creatures in addition to whatever else they are. Sure. And then every contraption that you've assembled is an artifact. Sure, just pick one. So you can sack your worst contraption and just build a new one. Sure. Uh, so fly- Sack the contraption that wants you to sacrifice or, or destroy a contraption during every time. And you're playing against the deck that doesn't have any. Yeah. So, yeah. No, the the, the Azurius artifact deck was, was very solid. Um, but it's still not as good as what is pretty consistently one of the top decks in this environment. Yeah. And that is the the Gruel Contraption deck. Yep, first place. And we've played uh, some decks from the cube several times. And Gruel Contraptions is formidable. Yeah, this deck is really good. What was your pack one pick one? Pack one pick one was Steam Floggery. Steam Floggery. Uh, so yeah, so I pack one picked one Steam Floggery, which we, re- we read earlier, which is uh, for four and double red, you roll a dice and assemble that many contraptions. Um, and then what, this, what makes this deck good is when the rest of the table doesn't value their contraptions properly. That is very true. You know, this deck sat on a crap ton of good contraptions. And the cool thing about the Gruel Contraption deck is that it just seems to curve out and incidentally make contraptions as it goes. So, like, it plays one of the best one-drops in the cube. Oh, yeah, it's a solid one-drop. Um, and that's the wrench rigger. He, for one red, you get a 1-1. One, one. When he enters the battlefield, assemble a contraption. Yeah, any deck running red wants him. And then he'll play, you know, that same deck plays the uh, the Joyride rigger. You know, for three and a green, you get a 3-3. Three, three. When it enters the battlefield, assemble a contraption. That, that would be the flavor text on the card for those of you who didn't oh, come know. come on, you know every time you play the Joyride Rigger, you always say, chitty, chitty, bang, 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 bang. You do it every time. I it's mean, fun. I mean, it's on cube. It's, it's fun. I, I do say that every single time I play it. You, it's you fun. You are correct. Chitty, chitty, bang, 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 bang. <laughs> so yeah, so the Gruel Contraptions deck just curves out, and as it's curving out, it assembles contraptions incidentally. Um, and it played, it got lucky, and it, or, or the rest of the decks, decks drafted poorly, because uh, it was running some hoss contraptions. So as you're curving out and doing this, uh, I'm, pl- I'm assembling Pet Project, and whenever you crank Pet Project, put target creature card from an opponent's graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. And I'm playing the Rapid Prototyper. Whenever you crank that one, create an XX colorless uh, construct artifact creature token where X is the number of artifacts you control. But remember, every contraption is an artifact. So the more contraptions you assemble, the better rapid prototyper becomes. The Azurius artifact deck should have tried to pick this card up so that I couldn't have it. Mm-hmm. Um, Neural Network. Oh my gosh, that card was sweet. Neural Network says whenever you crank it, 
gain control of target creature and opponent controls with power less than or equal to the number of creature cards in its controller's graveyard until the end of turn. Untap that creature. It gains haste. I'm playing Hard, hard hat, hat Arena. See, this is the one. Oh my gosh. Whenever you crank Hard Hat Arena, you roll two dice, you subtract the two numbers, and you assemble contraptions equal to the difference. Now, if I was the one with that contraption, I'd roll doubles. Every single time. But you always had high value out of it. So there are plenty of games where the Gruel Contraption deck had seven or eight contraptions just assembled on different sprockets. Absolutely. And every upkeep, you cranked to the next sprocket and got two or three effects on your upkeep. And then you curved out and, you know, just played creatures. It's so good. It's It's, a really strong deck. It's like having a normal gruel, you know, mid-range deck, but then also having these contraptions that work like Planeswalkers on the side going, hey, have this ability. Hey, have another ability. Plus it, get a creature from a graveyard, put it on the battlefield. Plus it, make two gnome tokens. Plus it, make an artifact construct. And there's not enough removal in the whole cube to deal with you making eight different contraptions and Mm -hmm. just using them consistently. So part of the draft process, you have to be aware of the contraptions circling around the table. Even if you don't think your deck's going to build a lot of contraptions, you cannot let one person or two people at the table have all the busted ones. Oh, no, you definitely cannot let one person have all the, the busted contraptions. That's not a thing. Well, I do think that's a mistake that we're not going to have to happen again. No, and we can always uh, tell new drafters when they sit down at the table you know, to prioritize contraptions so that they don't get burned uh, the same way that some of the decks in this uh, last draft did. Absolutely, and, and you do offer a lot of support for building contraptions. You have that in almost all the different colors. I actually think you do have it in all the colors. I yeah. mean, there's even a... A blue spell that assembles contraptions. Yeah, insight, insight for uh, X and double blue. You just pay X and it assembles X contraptions. That card is really busted. The Demir Evasion deck assembled some contraptions, uh, incidentally. It ran the counter spell, spell suck, and you counter a spell and assemble a contraption. Right. The, so you don't have to be building the contraption deck no. to be able to build some incidental contraptions. And you certainly don't want to be drafting and pass up on some things that could be really balmy in the contraption areas. Yeah, and as a matter of fact, there's some, if you're not assembling a bunch of contraptions, there's some real upside to having just one or two bomb contraptions in your contraption pile because when that way when you assemble it, you always assemble your bomb. You know, keeping your contraption uh, stack small in a deck that doesn't have a lot of incidental assemble contraption, blah, 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 blah can be really powerful because whenever you do it, you're guaranteed to assemble Pet Project or some other big bomb contraption just like it. As long as you're drafting them. As long as you're drafting them. That's very if you ignore them, like I did with several of my decks, it's impossible to get the good effects if you don't draft them. That That is the rumor. It's also that is impossible the rumor. to get removal if you don't pick it up. Yeah, we, we learned a lot uh, in this eight-man pod draft. And if you, uh, O viewer, are interested in uh, reading a blog post, because after this was over, you and I talked about some of the things that this cube needed and some of the things that needed to come out. Uh, and so we have just made a huge update to this cube. And all of that is posted uh, in the blog section on Cube Cobra, in the blog section of the Uncube, I should say, on Cube Cobra. Mm-hmm, absolutely. That's the part where you do all the thinking and I just get to enjoy the, pl- the playing. That would be the part. That's, I like that part. I like that part a lot. So we just want to say thank you so much to you guys for your support and for listening to us ramble about cardboard and all of our good times. 
if you have a topic or something you would like for us to ramble about, uh, there's nothing easier than just shooting us an email at cube for two over at gmail.com. Or you can catch me, uh, catch us, I should say, on Twitter at cube for two as well. And just let us know what you'd like us to talk about, discuss. Uh, if there are formats you're interested in hearing about, or lower powered cubes, or higher powered cubes, or archetypes, or whatever. And if you like to listen to your Lady Lori and your boy Matt talk about cardboard, then you can always subscribe to our podcast. You can indeed. Hey, uh, what's next week's topic? Actually, we're not doing it next week. Oh, that's fair. Because we, we this, this is a bi-weekly podcast. Bi-weekly podcast. We have to have time to record and that kind of thing. But the next podcast is going to be about how we fell in love with Magic the Gathering and why we are cube addicts. Like, we are addicted to cube. Well, because it's the best format. I actually get uh, emails occasionally from people or comments on the other YouTube videos asking about my my magic history. And so if if that's you, uh, next week's going to be your jam. We're going to talk about kind of how I got into magic, um, maybe a little bit about how I met your lady Lori over here and how I managed to somehow be lucky enough to have a wife that keeps with me. Oh, to be fair, you are one lucky, lucky guy. I am extremely aware of how lucky I am. And if you want to get lucky later, we probably need to put this all on hold. Hoo-ah, all right. Well, that being said, boys and girls, until next time, shuffle up. And keep keeping our friends. <laughs>